I'm Rena Grobe. And I'm Madhvi Romani. And this is Misinformed. Where we'll be talking about our latest internet obsessions. So, Madhvi, what did you get obsessed with this week? I was thinking about this big ship that got stuck in the Suez Canal this week. It was just really funny because normally global supply chains and big ships of this nature, they're not in our popular culture. We don't really think about them from day to day. And then all of a sudden, the ship got stuck in the Suez Canal and it exploded online. Everyone was making memes about it. I think there were a million memes about it, which were really funny, but also kind of, I think this ship kind of spoke to us because it was stuck and we're all stuck in a way. But also like on a personal psychological level, there was this picture of this big ship and this little digger on the bank just trying to dig out sand from underneath it. And it was such a ludicrous image like the size of this massive, massive ship and this tiny, tiny digger that I think we used it to reflect a lot of our preoccupations and anxieties and just have a really good laugh. But beneath all of these really funny memes, I think there was really serious preoccupations in society. So I've been looking at memes, basically, of this massive ship. I think one of the main prominent ones was, well, we all make mistakes, but at least your mistakes can't be seen from space with the satellite imagery. And then with this little digger and this massive side of the ship, there were so many. So like the ship represented my depression and the little digger represented don't be sad. Or the little digger is me trying to get something done. And then the big ship is labeled as a small task plus anxiety. Also, we went into sort of more political territory about broader preoccupations that climate change. So Starbucks deciding not to use any plastic straws anymore was the small digger. And the big ship is labeled as the trillion dollar global plastic industry. I loved the playlist that someone made on Spotify called Songs to Listen to When You're Stuck in the Suez Canal which included songs such as Stuck in the Middle with You, I'm Still Standing, so on and so forth. The internet was so fast with this. There was so much creativity, and it was kind of delightful in a way. Rena was checking this website called istheshipstillstuck.com. I got so into it because I thought it was so funny. I just like the way the internet reacts to things. It reminded me of Is Mercury in Retrograde, which is a similar website where you go on it and it just says yes or no. And that's what Is the Ship Still Stuck was. And actually, the guy who started it just recently released the statistics. If you haven't gathered, the ship is no longer stuck. So on Substack, the young man named Tom, who made the Is the Ship Still Stuck website, said that the website received around 50 million views in a five-day period. That puts it roughly on par with the New York Times, though all the visitors to istheshipstillstuck.com were seeing exactly the same page. At its peak, there were 8,404 requests to the site per second. It received over 190 likes, comments, and shares on Facebook. It became the top search result on Google for Is the Ship Still Stuck? ahead of all of the world's newspapers and, as a result, received over 400,000 clicks. He set up this website. When you clicked on it, you can still go check it out. It's still up and running. It basically said yes, no, 
And then when the boat started to float a little, or at least when the Egyptian president announced that it was starting to float, even though that was not confirmed for a while, it said sort of. It's quite funny. And if you go to the website now, it says no. It was stuck for six days, three hours, and 38 minutes, and it probably cost us around 59 billion. And then there's also an embedded map to which someone tweeted, why does a stuck ship page need an embedded map? We know where it is. The internet got completely obsessed with this ship. One of the things that I found very confusing at first was the fact that when you looked at the pictures, it said Evergreen on the side, but then it listed the name of the ship as Ever Given. And turns out the name of the company that owns the ship or the manufacturer or whatever is called Evergreen, but the ship itself is called Ever Given, which, why would you do that? Why would you not? What, like, why? It's like naming two of your kids Chanel and Chantel or something. It's confusing. Yeah. So you just mentioned the Egyptian president, Abdel Fattah el-Sisi, and he celebrated the moment on Twitter, writing, Egyptians have succeeded today in ending the crisis of the stuck ship in the Suez Canal, despite the great complexities surrounding the situation in every aspect. And then this other guy, his name is Peter Bedowski, who is the chief executive of Royal Boscalis, Westminster, which is a Dutch maritime salvage company that was hired by the vessel's owner. He said in a statement, we pulled it off. And so all these men were talking about, oh, we did it. But actually what did set the ship free was the moon and its effect on the tides. I thought that was just really funny as well. All these guys going, yeah, good job. And it was just kind of nature in the end anyway. Some interesting facts about the ship in itself. So the Ever Given is a 59 meter wide vessel that ran aground after 40 knot winds and a sandstorm caused low visibility and poor navigation. The vessel, which weighs 224,000 tons, which was sailing under the Panama flag, was en route to a port in Rotterdam in the Netherlands when it was knocked off course. So the ship, which is 400 meters long, which is as long as the Empire State Building, just so you can get a full picture of how long this ship is, was wedged across the trade passage at the canal's 151-kilometer mark. And to quote the cut, big boat stuck. I mean, it's so big. That's what was kind of ludicrous about it. The OECD said the rapid growth of ships in general, it is one of the, the biggest ships in the world, has outstripped the capacity of marine infrastructure to follow. And ships have been getting bigger and bigger and bigger. A bunch of canals like the Suez Canal and the Panama Canal have been expanded in the last decades to the cost of millions of dollars, but they just keep on getting left behind because everyone keeps on producing bigger ships. And the reason they keep on doing that is because the more containers you can get on a ship, the more efficient it is, which means that it reduces costs and increases profits. So this ship in particular could transport 20,000 containers. Containers are kind of interesting because a lot of people say that the invention of the container, these metal boxes, were one of the most influential inventions of the last century because they enable the kind of flawless transportation from ship to lorry to train without much unloading, offloading time. So the other thing that this big boat being stuck has kind of highlighted as did COVID with the supermarkets. We talked about this before. It's this just-in-time system. So this is just-in-time manufacturing. 
So just to prevent stockpiling and taking up space in warehouses, which cost money, everything is kind of manufactured in a just-in-time basis, which is the most efficient way and drives profits up and gives shareholders more profits. But as we saw with the supermarkets, in that way, if you have an emergency, then you run out of toilet paper. And the same with this, fuel prices did go up for a day. If you have one problem in the system, in this like massive, complex global system, that is like interconnected and all reliant on each other, then there exist these fragilities where like if one thing happens, one ship gets stuck and pandemic, it affects everything and everything starts to break down. The cost of shipping containers since the start of the pandemic has doubled just because people are ordering more now. So more people in the US are ordering exercise bikes from China and there aren't enough shipping containers now to get this done. And also, of course, the drivers and the truck drivers and all these people who work in these industries have been affected by COVID. So the times have stretched. And so it's just interesting how one thing impacts a lot. This affects whether you get pineapples in the supermarket next week. I think everyone kind of latched on to it because there's just been so much bad, terrible news recently that I think we all kind of think of capitalism as like the big bad wolf, especially right now with corona and all the suffering. So it just brought people a lot of joy to receive some news that wasn't absolutely terrible. And the fact that we could all make these memes about it. I know there was kind of like a unifying thing about it where everyone in the world was hyper-focused on a ship stuck in a canal somewhere. And for a brief moment in time, we could all be distracted. After the ship was freed, put it back, was trending on Twitter, which is hilarious. Someone tweeted something along the lines of like, the person driving the second ship through the canal has the chance to do the funniest thing in history ever. It was a week of just being like, oh my god, I'm going to check this website and see if the ship is still stuck or I'm going to look at all these memes. I don't know. It was it was nicely unifying to laugh about something united against a common enemy that wasn't... Killing people. Yeah, that wasn't killing people. Yeah. That wasn't, oh, there was 67-year-old woman was attacked in a racially motivated hate crime. For just a brief moment, we could all just be like, nah, this boat's stuck. It's funny. It's quite interesting when you look at what memes and comments this generated in China, for example. There were a lot of memes about Taiwan, Taiwanese independence being a dead end, or it reflected different things like the cultural animosity between China and Japan when the Japanese owner of the ship apologized. There was a quote on Weibo, which is the Chinese social media Facebook, that said, the Japanese are only good at groveling and apologizing and bowing and stuff like that. So it also, I think, in different parts of the world, it resonated everywhere. There was one on like Indian dads discussing the stuck ship and stuff like that in different languages. It was really global and it, I would be so interested to see just how all different cultures really approached it. The Taiwanese took it quite in their stride because they're a normal, normally a little country that's not even really recognized as a country because of China and a lot of time. There was a lot of fun there about them just bringing the whole globe to a stop. The whole like unifying different cultures, memes from all around the world. I guess everyone kind of uses the Suez Canal and it's super important. This was highlighted by the fact that Actually, this is not the first time this has happened. Quite a few boats have gotten stuck. The last one was in 2004. It was a Russian boat. It got stuck for three days. So there is something about 
oh yeah, we're all reliant on this one canal, but we don't really, like it wasn't in our global attention until now. And all of a sudden, like I remember learning about the Suez Canal in school, but it's probably the last time that I spent more than a minute thinking about it. And yet... Yeah, I actually watched a lecture by a lecturer in Humboldt University talk about globalization in the Suez Canal. So the Suez Canal has been instrumental in actually making globalization a thing. It's quite interesting because everyone talks about the Suez Canal as it has existed since 1859. But interestingly, actually, there was an older canal since at least the 6th century BC and it closed in 767 AD. And then Napoleon came along and he wanted to reconstruct this canal to make it usable again. But then his people did a bunch of calculations, which were actually wrong about the sea levels. And so he never did it. And then later on, a French guy called Ferdinand de Lesser got permission from Khedive Said Pasha, who granted him permission to redo this canal. So it's the French who really built it and got permission in 1869 and it took them until 1869 to finish it and for it to be to open. So the French actually built it but the English had the biggest advantage from it because they could ship then things from India to Plymouth way faster with less mileage. So the English were using it a lot to their advantage just because of how trade routes work. And then later on, they did take a big bunch of the shareholdings in the canal because their viceroy had 40% share in it. And then Benjamin Disraeli, I think, bought that off this viceroy because he was going bankrupt. Then the Egyptians actually nationalised the Suez Canal and this triggered an invasion from Israel and then the British got involved and the French got involved because it was just such a important trade route. But the reason why the Suez Canal was fundamental to globalization is, well, first of all, because it reduced the costs of shipping things worldwide and making the system where not just specialist stuff, but grain and all these other commodities could be shipped around the world much more easily. But then because the Suez Canal and what happened in this case too, high winds sort of twisted this ship. And the Suez Canal, it is a bit windy there. So before, there were all these sailing boats going in, and it was no good for sails. So that's when steam engines became really, really popular. And the English steam industry boomed under this because this was one of the main advantages for England to start using these steamships in this global trading. And then the Suez Canal impacted the development of steam engines because the problem is with steam engines, you use coal, but if you're transporting stuff, then coal is taking up a big bunch of your room on the ship. So they started making these steam engines that use less and less coal. And it was really interesting because they were all built in the UK and they were using Welsh coal. So if you put any other coal into them, like Indian coal, they would break. So the Welsh coal industry was doing really well. So the Suez Canal really made long distance trade possible for a lot of the world and made it much easier and faster. In this article by Ben Jenkins in The Guardian, he says that when we're speaking about globalization, one of the reasons why this not only created so many memes but resonated with so many people was because the simplicity of the problem. There was no political agenda to get behind. Sure, there were like people who offered different solutions on how to get the boat unstuck, 
But in the end, it was in everyone's best interest for this boat to be unstuck. And so just like for a week, the world was unified by one problem. One of my favorite things I saw on the internet with this tiny little digger and this massive, massive hull of the ship, somebody had put, I don't want to tell anyone how to do their job, but maybe you need to put another digger in there. Maybe you need to get another guy. <laughs> and on that note, here are our three things you can do this week to be a better person. Number one, I think that we all realize that the things we order come from somewhere else, but I think that maybe like a lot of people, it didn't really click how far everything travels when I order it. So maybe investigate the supply chain of where you're ordering things from, think twice about where you're buying things from, and just really investigate what you're buying and when and where from. Thing two, next time you're having a bad day or made a mistake at work or a mistake in your life, just think about that meme that says, at least your mistake is not visible from space and it will make you feel better. And thing three, if you're feeling stuck, go to Spotify and search for the playlist and we'll link it below in our newsletter and everywhere. Songs to listen to when you're stuck in the Suez Canal. Maybe put this playlist on, have a little dance. I know we're all feeling a little stuck right now because of Corona, so maybe it'll be give us a chance to feel unstuck. Until next time, thank you for listening. Goodbye. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you like, you can share your internet obsessions with us. Tweet us at the underscore miss underscore informed or follow us on Instagram at the underscore miss underscore informed. You can also send us an email at misinformed.podcast at gmail.com. You can also listen and subscribe via YouTube. For news about the show or upcoming events and links to all our sources, references and other geeky inspiration, subscribe to our newsletter. You can find the link via our Instagram. We are an independent, non-profit podcast. If you would like to show us some love, you can make a one-off donation via our SoundCloud or support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash misinformed. Thank you for listening. Until next time, goodbye.